answer to Daniel. This is uh, Daniel's prayer. So beginning in verse 1. In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, by descent a Mede, who was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, perceived in the books the number of years that, according to the word of the Lord, to Jeremiah the prophet must pass before the end of the desolations of Jerusalem, namely 70 years. Then I turned my face to the Lord God, seeking him by prayer and pleas for mercy with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. And I prayed to the Lord my God and made confession, saying, O Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. We have sinned and done wrong and acted wickedly and rebelled, turning aside from your commandments and rules. We've not listened to your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings, our princes, and our fathers, and to all the people of the land. To you, O Lord, belongs righteousness, but to us, open shame. As at this day, to the men of Judah, to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and to all Israel, those who are near and those who are far away, in all the lands to which you have driven them, because of the treachery that they've committed against you, to us, O Lord, belongs open shame. To our kings, to our princes, to our fathers, Because we've sinned against you. To the Lord our God belong mercy and forgiveness. We've rebelled against him and have not obeyed the voice of the Lord our God by walking in his laws, which he set before us by his servants, the prophets. All Israel has transgressed your law and turned aside, refusing to obey your voice. And the curse and oath that are written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, have been poured out upon us because we've sinned against him. He has confirmed his words which he spoke against us and against our rulers who ruled us by bringing upon us a calamity. For under the whole heaven there has not been done anything like what has been done against Jerusalem. As it is written in the law of Moses, all this calamity has come upon us. Yet we have not entreated the favor of the Lord our God, turning from our iniquities and gaining insight by your truth. Therefore the Lord has kept ready this calamity and has brought it upon us. For the Lord our God is righteous in all his works that he has done. And we have not obeyed his voice. And now, O Lord, our God, who brought your people out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand and made a name for yourself, as at the day we have sinned, we have done wickedly. O Lord, according to all your righteous acts, let your anger and your wrath turn away from your city, Jerusalem, your holy hill, because for our sins and the iniquities of our fathers, Jerusalem and your people have become a byword among all who are around us. Now, therefore, O our God, listen to the prayer of your servant and to his pleas for mercy for your own sake, O Lord. Make your face to shine upon your sanctuary, which is desolate. O my God, incline your ear and hear. Open your eyes and see our desolations in the city, which is called by your name. For we do not present our pleas before you because of our righteousness, but because of your great mercy. O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, pay attention and act. Delay not for your own sake, O my God, because your city and your people are called by your name. While I was speaking and praying, confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel, and presenting my plea before the Lord, my God, for the holy hill of my God, while I was speaking in prayer, the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in a vision at the first, came to me in swift flight at the time of the evening sacrifice. He made me understand, speaking with me and saying, O Daniel, I have now come out to give you insight and understanding. At the beginning of your pleas for mercy, a word went out, and I have come to tell it to you, for you are greatly loved. Therefore, consider the word and understand the vision. 
Father, we thank you for giving us your word. Father, I pray that you would learn to that you would help us to learn to to use it in prayer, uh, to respond to you back, your own truth and your own promises. Father, we see in your word your great character, your great faithfulness, your incredible, unstoppable power, your resurrection power. God, we see those things and we praise you for them. We we are thankful. And Father, we, like Daniel, confess our sin to you this morning. We're people of unclean lips. God, we have we've sinned. We've, we've not obeyed. We've transgressed. And Father, we, we come and stand upon, we grab hold of the mercy of Jesus, the sacrifice of Jesus, the cross. And we grab it as for our own forgiveness. Father, we thank you for your work in us. We pray that you would would speak to us and teach us to pray today. In Jesus' name, amen. A little bit of context for you. Uh, An interesting thing, last week we were in Daniel chapter 6. If you remember Daniel chapter 6, Babylon has just fallen and Darius the Mede has been set over the kingdom of Babylon and he appoints 120 satraps and he appoints three presidents. Daniel's one of those presidents. Uh, the others are jealous, and so they figure out the only way to trip up Daniel is, is according to his faith, his connection to God. And so they make this, this bogus um, rule law about uh, not praying to anybody but Darius for, for uh, 30 days. And so last week we learned about Daniel's prayer life. We learned about disciplining ourselves in prayer. And by the way, I've heard some great reports this, this week about people who, who, who grabbed onto last week's message and said, you know what, I'm going to schedule times for prayer throughout the day. And just, just what the good things that God did in their life as they, as they disciplined themselves to meet before the Lord. And so, so that, that, was, that was Daniel 6, okay? Now, Daniel, Daniel 9, I know it's several chapters past Daniel 6, but it actually occurs... Probably around the exact same time that Daniel 6 is, is happening, okay? And the reason we know that is because in Daniel 9, the first verse says, in the first year of Darius, okay? So, so this happens, this prayer, okay? This revelation from Gabriel that, that Daniel receives is happening in the first year of Darius, which is probably around the exact time that, that, that he gets arrested and thrown into the lion's den because he's so disciplined in prayer, he's praying three times a day. That's his habit of prayer. And so I, I want you to see this is almost part two of part one last week, all right? Uh, it's really, really the same context, the same time, the same guy. Uh, last week we saw his disciplined nature in prayer, that, that he came, you know, humbly before God, and both, both with a posture of heart and humility and also a physical posture of humility, coming before God three times a day, offering his prayer, Nothing would, would nothing would shake him from that time with God. And now here in Daniel 9, we actually get insight into how does the guy pray, which I think is incredibly valuable, okay? I don't know if I'm the only one in the room, but there's been many times in my life where I've struggled to know, man, God, how, do, how exactly do I pray? You know, I want to pray better. I want to pray more effective. I, I, I want you to hear my prayer. I, I want to see answers to my prayer. I mean, the, the, those are often the, the cries of my heart. And so whenever we come 
come upon a passage like Daniel 9, I rejoice because the, the inspired word of God, okay, the Holy Spirit has chosen this and, and handed it to you and said, okay, here's an example of a righteous man praying. Here's an example of a guy who, who, who is praying rightly. And so we ought to grab onto this today, and not only just looking at it from the standpoint of Daniel, from what's happening in the word of God, lessons we can learn from there, but also from the standpoint of how do we pray? What does effective prayer look like? And so this is kind of, uh, I guess, prayer part two. Now, John Piper, I think, does a great job in, 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 uh, in this passage in that he talks, about, uh, he talks about this passage from the standpoint of praying for broken things, okay? Uh, now, now, in the context of Daniel, that's exactly what is happening, okay? So, so Daniel, Daniel is living among a broken people, okay? So the, the, the nation of Israel has been taken into exile, okay? Jerusalem has been destroyed, uh, the, the, the priests, the temple worship, all of that is gone, all right? All of that is gone, and then the people of God are taken into exile, and, and this is the end of the exile. And so Daniel Daniel's living amongst a broken people, and this actually is a prayer of restoration, and we'll get to how he gets to that in just a second. But this is a prayer of restoration. Daniel's praying, God, restore what's broken. God, bring back your people. You know, take care of this. And so I, I think Piper does a great job and say, hey, can we, not, can we not apply that out into other areas of our life? And I think we definitely can. I think this is a great model for us in how to pray for broken things. And I don't know about you guys, but there's broken things all around us. Don't you see that? You know, I mean, broken people. There's times where, where we, like Israel, sin against God and, and we stray. And then we begin to experience the consequences of our sin. And, and we're broken and we need restoration. There's times where we have broken families. We have broken marriages, you know, that, that, that are living in the exile of anger and the exile of bitterness and hurt and, and broken kids. And, and so how do you pray for those things? I think Daniel 9 is a great example of how do you pray for restoration? How do you pray for God's power to restore what is broken? Okay. And so that, that's the angle we're going to take today. And the first thing that we see, which is, man, one of the most exciting things about this, first thing that came to my mind when I read Daniel 9, the, the, the beginning of it right away, is that Daniel's prayer is fueled by his study of the Word of God. This prayer in chapter 9 comes about by Daniel's in his Bible, okay? He's in the book of Jeremiah reading his Bible. He reads something that drops him to his knees, and he begins to pray in response to what he's read in the book of Jeremiah. Okay, now what, what has he read? Well, well, the, the, Daniel 9 doesn't tell us that, but it says in, in verse 2, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, perceived in the books the number of years that according to the word of the Lord, to Jeremiah the prophet must pass before the end of the desolations of Jerusalem, namely 70 years. So let, let's actually go look at what Daniel's reading here. He's reading uh, probably a couple different places. Jeremiah 25 is the first one we're going to look at. Jeremiah 25, and let's look at verses 11 and 12. Uh, it says, this whole land shall become a ruin and a waste, and these nations shall serve the king of Babylon 70 years. Then after 70 years are completed, I will punish the king of Babylon and that nation and the land of the Chaldeans for their iniquity, declares the Lord, making the land an everlasting waste. Okay, that is happening. All right, Daniel's just watched that happen. All right, now, even more exciting, go to Jeremiah 29. Jeremiah 29, and this actually is a famous verse. Many of you will recognize this verse right away. I wonder if you have connected it with this context, though, because this is cool. Jeremiah 29, beginning in verse 10, he says, For thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed... By the way, remember, Jeremiah is writing this before... 
Okay, he's writing this as the exile is happening, all right? This is not like an afterthought. This is not, this is not contemporary with Daniel. In other words, Jeremiah didn't write out a blog, a newsletter, put it up online, and Daniel reads it, you know, 10 minutes later. It's like, oh, this is what's happening. No, Jeremiah has written this decades before this is happening, okay? So th- this is prophetic, all right? Verse 10, for this says the Lord, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you, I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. Okay, did you hear that? I'm going to bring you back. He tells his people when 70 years is over, I'm going to bring you back to this place. I'm going to bring back, I'm going to restore the broken thing. That's what God is saying. After 70 years, I'm going to bring back my people. I'm going to restore Jerusalem. I'm going to restore Israel. Look at verse 11. For I know the plans. Here's the verse you probably recognize. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for wholeness and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then, verse 12, then you will call upon me. That's exactly what Daniel's doing. Did you see how this fits together? Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Okay, so Jeremiah, Daniel's reading in the, in the book, book of Jeremiah, and he's like, 70 years, 70 years. You, know? you, can, you can see him doing the math in his head. You know? He came when he was 14. He was the very first deportation. You know? it's, he's in his 80s now. All right? Now, the only big question is, when did the 70 years begin? Did it begin in the first deportation with Daniel? Did it begin in the second deportation? Or did it begin when Jerusalem was destroyed? You know, when it was wiped out in like 587? You know, when there, there's like a 10 or 15 year there. But either way, Daniel knows, man, it is close. You know, Babylon's been destroyed. The Persians are here. That part's already been fulfilled. And now, now, now God's going to restore his people. And so what, what does Daniel, how does he respond to that? Immediately drops to his knees. And he begins to pray. He begins, he, he's responding to God's word. Now, 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 now let, let, let me deal with this question. Why? Well, why pray if in the word of God, right here in the Bible, it says, after 70 years, I'm going to bring you back. I'm going to restore you. So, so I, I just think the attitude of some people would be, well, hey, God's already going to do it. Why do I need to pray about it? True or, true or false? That, that, that's right. I, I think some people would say just that. You, look, if, God, if God's already going to do this thing, because God doesn't lie, and then the Bible doesn't lie, and I believe the Bible. Some people might even make it a faith thing. Hey, I believe the Bible. God's going to do it. We don't need to pray about it. Man, that is not Daniel's heart at all, is it? No, 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 no. That, that, that is the thought of someone who's not interested in getting on board with what God is doing. They're interested in, in, in God getting on board with what they want to do. You see, how do you look at prayer? Do, do you look at prayer as you, you're grabbing hold, you're discovering, God's opening up the, the heavens for you, and you're seeing, oh, this is his will for my life, and this is his will for my family, this is his will for my heart, and this is his will for our church, and man, I'm going to pray that. Or do you look at prayer as, Man, I need to give God another idea, you know? He's not very creative. And, and so I really think what we ought to be doing is this. And so I'm going to try to, I'm going to try, I'm going to pray so I can change God's mind or I can give him a new idea and, and move him in a new direction. Listen, you're not going to give God a new idea, okay? Uh, you, God doesn't need any creative juices from you, okay? Not that he doesn't want us to be creative. We, we need to be creative. But, but, but listen, that's not, that's not the, person of pr- the purpose of prayer. Anything that I offer to God substandard, okay? What I need is to get on board with what God is doing, all right? 
And, and what God has given us in prayer is a means to trigger his grace and work in our lives. All right, do you notice back in Jeremiah 29, do you notice that, that the thing flows right into prayer, okay? God says after 70 years, I'm destroying Babylon. He did it. I'm bringing my people back. He's doing it. And that, what, where does that lead? That leads verse 11 to God's people knowing, man, God's got a future for us, a hope for us, a plan for us, a purpose for us. Verse 12, then call upon me. You see, it's right there in Jeremiah. If you believe this future, if you believe this hope, then you're going to call upon me and you're going to call and seek and pray and find with all your heart and I'm going to answer you. You see, he's telling, he's telling us, man, prayer is going to trigger this means of restoration. And what I'm telling you is we find this all throughout the Bible. Okay, we find God saying something and then the people of God echoing it back to him in prayer. Okay, Revelation 22 is a, a famous one. Okay, so here's how the Bible ends. Okay, this, 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 is how, this is the end of the Bible right here, right? All right, here's how the Bible ends. Verse 20, he who testifies to these things says, and then you'll notice if you have a red letter Bible, these words are in red because these are words of Jesus. Surely I am coming soon. Amen. Okay, what's the next response by John? Come, Lord Jesus. You see, that's not the way we work with one another, right? I mean, if, if, I, say, if I say to my kids, hey, let's go to the movies. We're, no, let, let, let's, uh, I say to my kids, hey, we're going to go to the movies. All right, it, it irritates me then if they walk around behind me saying, Dad, go, let's go to the movies. Let's go to the movies, Dad. Let's go to the movies, okay? I'm like, I told you we're going, you know? Don't, don't, don't quit saying it. Quit, don't bother me, okay? You see, that's the way we work, right? Like if I, if I tell you I'm doing something, you just need to believe it and don't bother me about it. Okay, that's all we see in the Bible, all right? There's a lot of reasons. God's patience doesn't wear thin, okay? And he, he's not stressed out like I am, all right? And, and, and so what we see in the scriptures is that God rejoices for us to grab hold of his truth and bring it back to him. All right. That's the appropriate thing to do. When Jesus says, I'm coming soon, then we ought to echo. Come, Lord Jesus, make it today. OK, make it now. Come quickly. I mean, that ought to be our response. You see, prayer is kind of a tricky thing for us. And I almost think the more we try to, to figure it out and rationalize it, the, the more confused we get. But, 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 but the key to prayer is grabbing onto the will of God. And not that we don't share our hearts sometimes. Jesus did that. Okay, remember in the Garden of Gethsemane? Uh, Jesus is, uh, knows he's going to the cross. You know, he knows that's coming. He knows the betrayal is coming. He knows the bearing, bearing the incredible weight of the sin, the filth of the world is coming. And you remember what he prays? Father, if it be possible, if there's another way, let this cup pass from me. There's nothing wrong with sharing your heart. I'm not saying that we, we only just come to the Bible and just repeat the words of the Bible. No, I mean, there, there's definitely a place to share. God, God, this is what I'm feeling. I'm scared, God. This is overwhelming. I don't, you know, in Jesus' case here, I don't think he was scared or overwhelmed. I think, I think he knew the filth of taking the filth of humanity on to the, to the holiness of the Godhead. Wow. I mean, that, that's, that's amazing stuff. That's, that's incredible stuff. And Jesus is sharing his heart and his humanity. But then he comes back and says, but Father... Not my will, but yours be done. What's your will? God, what is your will? That's what I want. 
Folks, in God's infinite wisdom and sovereignty, God has woven our prayers into his work. That's the way I look at it, okay? I look at it in this way. You got the work of God moving through the universe, okay? And then, then God has woven, okay, well, he's woven our prayers into his work, okay? So that, so that our prayers are, are effective in, in triggering the, the release of God's power and grace into the world, moving the kingdom forward. Okay, but listen, it's not us steering the show, okay? God, God's not like, you know, hits an intersection. I'm not sure which way to go here. What do you guys think? Hey, everybody pray and we'll see what, what the boat is, okay? No, 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 we're not steering the show. God is steering the show. So, Daniel reads the word of God. He reads what God's will is, what's going to happen, what God says is happening. And, and then Daniel begins to pray the word and the will of God to make that a reality. I know lots of you folks have angst about stuff like this. Uh, I know you do because you come talk to me about it. And, and I'm sorry that I'm not, I'm not better for you in this. Um, I, I, I just, I don't think that way. Um, I, I'm a person that accepts things really easily. And, and I'm not saying that that's a virtue of mine. I'm just saying that's just who I am. Um, D- Pastor Daniel actually would probably be better for you to talk to about these things. Because he's a guy that really grapples with those kind of... Like he had a, like a 30-minute conversation with me this week about whether God is outside of time. You know, looking at the... And everything's happening in a present formula. Or whether God is in the stream. Of, you know, I, I mean, you know, and I, I'm just like, you know... I mean, well, we talked for a while, but honestly, I was like, I don't care, Daniel, you know, <laughs> but I didn't say that, you know, I mean, I, we, we talked about it and I think it's an, it, it is interesting from the statement of, of one, one way can lead people to open theism, which I'm, you know, really angry about. I, I mean, I hate open theism. So, so that, that, that part, but, but, but a lot of this angst about, okay, how does God's sovereignty interact with our actions? What real impact do we have? I mean, that, that's what people want to know. What real impact do my prayers have, Pastor? If I'm just if I'm just supposed to go to the Word of God, see what God wants, and then echo back to Him, then what real impact do I have? That's, that's a real question. That's a real question for guys, because guys always want to have an impact. Guys, especially men. men. Men want to know, man, I'm making a difference. Man, I can remember when I was 12 years old, and it was so frustrating to me, you know, that all I got to do was tarp the trucks and harvest. All I got to do was I, I was there in the field. They would fill them up. I would tarp them for the truck driver and sometimes turn them around to face the, 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 the gate. I was so frustrated because I just didn't feel like it was an important job. And then the next year when I was 13, I got to tarp them, and I got to drive them to the county road. And I was so frustrated about that because I, I just thought, Dad, why can't? I drive them to the highway, you know? I mean, I just, I wanted to do something important, you know? And I, and I think for a lot of people, the angst is, you know, hey, you know, I, I want to call the shots. No, you don't. You don't want to call the shots. No, we got to get on board with what God is doing. And, and I don't have all the answers about how God's sovereignty interacts with our actions, but here's, here's what I know, okay? Let me, let me just give you the Jason Dirk's theology on hard questions, all right? Here we go. You're going to be disappointed, but get ready. All right, here we go. I know God is big. I know I am small. I trust him when he tells me to do something that it matters. And that when he does something, it's good. Okay? That really, for me, that, 
That right there solves the predestination problem in my mind. You know, a lot of you really struggle with that. You know, what's the order of salvation? You know, when, when does God's sovereignty overlap with our responsibility? When is our, you know, and that, that whole struggle that this solves the whole prayer thing for me. Is God sovereign or am I making a difference in my body? I mean, I mean that, that's, I'm, God's big. I'm small. I trust him that when he tells me to do something, it matters. And that when he does something, it's good. I mean, that, that, I don't know, that helps me. I mean, you're, you're, that didn't help you, I know. But anyway, it helps me. And so that's what matters, right? To help me. All right, so now let's keep going. So Daniel's standing on the word of God in prayer, okay? He's standing on the word of God in prayer. You know, if you're struggling to pray, maybe, maybe last week you, you, you heard the sermon on, uh, on Daniel you know, three times a day and blocking off time. And I'm just speculating. Maybe some of you tried. Maybe, maybe you, you said, all right, 6 a.m., I'm going to be up. I'm going to have my breakfast eaten. I'm going to have my treadmill run, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to block off 30 minutes for prayer, 6 to 6.30. And so you came at 6 to 6.30, and, 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 you, and you, you prayed, you know, pray for your family, and you, you prayed that um, you know, no one gets sick and for all the missionaries, and you looked, and it's 6.05, you know. And I, I don't know, maybe, maybe. Here's what I'm telling you. Here's what I'm telling you. This is your answer right here, okay? This is your answer. Your answer to your prayer life is to open up the Bible and to use the Word of God to soak it up and to pray it back to God, okay? Now, what, what, what do we mean by that? Pray God's Word, okay? That, that if you've ever been to our ask prayer services, that's really the strategy behind those. I, if you haven't been, please come, please come. It's probably like no prayer meeting that you've ever been to. Okay, if, if your experience with a prayer meeting is we get in a circle and for thirty five minutes, okay, everybody shares about their 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 aunt who has some kind of affliction, and, and then we we pray about those afflictions. That's not, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's awesome. Have, have those, but but that's not what our ask prayer service is about. Our ask prayer services really are about digging into the scriptures and saying, okay, what does God tell us he wants us to have? And then, man, the, the list is long, okay? I mean, he wants us to, to bear the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Let's pray about those, shall we not? God says he wants me to have those. Let's ask for them. God says he wants me to be a soul winner. He wants me to be a, a reconciler, an ambassador for Christ. Hey, let's pray about that. God says he wants the, the, the workers to go into the harvest because the, the harvest is plentiful and the workers are few. Hey, let's echo that back to God. Hey, God says he wants us to, to, to love one another well. Let's pray for that. He wants us to bear one another's burdens. Let's pray for that. He wants us to confess our sin. Let's go through the Bible. I mean, we're, we're praying back the word of God. There is a wealth of, of, of material in the Bible to fuel our prayers. And we use God's word in that way. We use God's word to fuel our praise of him. Maybe you've struggled with praise before. But, but man, the, the, there is an entire book of the Bible. It's called Psalms, okay? The Psalms will enable you to praise, okay? They will fuel your praise. There may be some times where you're just overwhelmed about what God's been doing in your life. And you're overwhelmed about how good he is. And so, and so praise will come really natural to you. But there will be other times where you just need to open up the scriptures to the Psalms. And you need to begin to, to read. And, and, and as you begin to read, you, 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 you need to pray back what you're reading, okay? You need, you, you need to look, 
Look at what God's saying. Look at how the psalmist is responding to God. And they begin to pray the word of God. And even better, go, go, go to places like Isaiah 40. Man, listen to this. If you're struggling with praise, listen to Isaiah 40, 12. Let me just read some stuff here. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand, marked off the heavens with a span, enclosed the dust of the earth in a measure, weighed the mountains in scales, and the hills in a balance? Who's measured the spirit of the Lord? Or what man shows him his counsel? Whom did he consult? Who made him understand? Who taught him the path of justice? Who taught him knowledge? Who showed him the way of understanding? Behold, the nations are like a drop from a bucket and are counted as dust on the scales. Man, can you not pray that back to God? Man, God, you're big. I mean, God, our nation, America, is like a drop from a bucket compared to you. All of our cities, God, New York, Los Angeles, Chicago, San Diego, Atlanta, Oklahoma City. God, they're just like dust on the scales for you. Nothing's impossible. Can't we pray that back? Job. Man, pray the last four or five chapters of Job. I mean, let me just read you some of the highlights. Starting in chapter 38. Where He's talking to Job. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Were you there, Job? Were you there? You know, God's laid the foundation of the earth. Verse 8, who shut in the sea with its doors and when it burst out of the womb? Verse 12, have you commanded the morning since your days be gone and caused the dawn to know its place? I thought about that this morning. I was reading that verse in my office and it's still dark out this morning and, and the dawn is getting ready to come up. And I thought, man, God is commanding the dawn this morning. Come up. You know, it's time. Earth, rotate, you know. I mean, God is commanding that. Verse 22, have you entered the storehouses of snow, the storehouses of hail? He goes on, chapter 39, chapter 40. Um, have you, I like 40, verse 9. Have you have an arm like God? Can you thunder with a voice like his? Or how about the book of Revelation? Revelation is another great place to find just this, these, these things that fuel our praise. I was trying to memorize this passage Thursday morning, Thanksgiving morning at my folks' house this week. It says this, Then I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders, the voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads, thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Can you not pray that back to God? Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that's in them saying, to him who sits on the throne, to the lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. Doesn't that fuel your praise? Man, I just pictured that's going to be me someday. I want to practice now, you know, honor and glory and blessing to you be God forever and ever. Let it fuel your praise. Let it spur thanks in you. Are you thankful? Hopefully you are. Sometimes we're full of thanksgiving, right? We've eaten turkey. Our family's all gathered around. Nobody's gotten into a fight, you know? And so our our heart's really full of thanksgiving. Other times, we're having a really rough time. And so we need to open up to Ephesians 1 and we need to see, okay, verse 3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who's blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing. And then we just need to go through those spiritual blessings as his people, as believers, and we need to thank him, okay? Verse 4, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, God, thank you for choosing me, that we should be holy and blameless before him. God, thank you for making me holy and blameless in Jesus before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption. God, thank you for adopting me into your family. 
Verse 6, to the praise of his glorious grace with which, which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses. God, thank you for giving me. Thank you for forgiving me. On and on. We use his word in prayer to ask him to fulfill his promises. All right, so Jeremiah was a promise, right? That was what we just read in Jeremiah. That was a promise. God says, after 70 years, I'm going to destroy Babylon. We're going to bring you back. That's a promise, okay? Tons of other promises in the Bible that you need to lay hold of. Why do we need to do that? Has God forgotten them? Is God like the grandpa who said, hey, I'll take you out, you know, for ice cream, and then he forgets? Uh, that, that's not why we need to lay hold of them. You know, has God, has God overcommitted himself? Has he, has he committed all these things, and now he's trying to kind of slowly back out of them, and we need to come in and say, no, 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 God, no, 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 uh-uh. You're not getting out of this one. Okay. No, 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 not at all. God desires to give us his promises. He delights for us to share his desire. You see, it's, it's, it's almost offensive to God when he makes these incredible promises to us and we don't care about them enough to read them, grab hold of them and pray them back. How would you like it if you really wanted to bless somebody? I mean, you just... You love them. You love them. They're, they're a blessing. And so you write them out a check, okay? You write them out a check, and, and, and you make a nice card, and you tell them, man, I love you. You know, you're special to me. And, and you give them the card with a check in it. And then what if, what if you're watching your bank statement every month, and you got this, this blank in your checkbook, no X there. They don't ever cash the check. Do you like that? We would say our tendency would be like, hey, I got more money. You know, I'm going to call the bank. They must not need it. I'm going to cancel that dude. I don't, I don't think most of us, I think most of us would say, didn't they open the card? Didn't, 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 they, didn't they rejoice in that enough that I loved them and wanted to help that they would go to the bank and cash it? I mean, that's what we want them to do, isn't it? I want you to go to the bank. I want you to cash it. Okay, so God has, has given us these promises. Spurgeon, Spurgeon's uh, written a whole book on this called Faith's Promises, okay? So God, God, is, God is, has given us these promises in his word. And what does he want us to do? He wants us to search them out. He wants us, he wants us to share his enthusiasm about his promises. I mean, I love it when my family shares my enthusiasm about something I'm, I'm enthusiastic for them about, you know? I, I like that. I like that when I'm like, hey, I want this for you. And they're like, we want that, Dad. I don't like it when I'm like, hey, I want that for you. And they're like, eh. You know, that, that, doesn't, that doesn't please me. I want them to share. I'm saying, yes, this is a good thing. And grab on to the promises of God. We use God's word to know what to ask for. How to pray God's heart. John 15, 7. This is the clincher right here, okay? If you have doubts about what I'm saying here, this ought to bring you over. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. If you abide in me and my words abide in you. Here's what I know. I need a changed heart. Anybody else in the room? Yes, I need a because here's what, I don't want to live my Christian life trying to gut things out. That, that's so miserable. 
I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't want a heart that wants sin. And, and basically, I got to go through my life being like, ah, no, 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 I don't, I don't want to do that. Gosh, I don't want to go to hell. That's a bad thing. God will be displeased. I'll be shamed. You know, I really want to do it, but I'm not going to. I'm going to go do something I don't want to. I don't want to live my Christian life that way. That, that's not God's plan for me. God's plan is to so change my heart that I don't want to sin. I want what he's got for me. He, he, I want him to change my spiritual taste buds, okay? I want him to change them. How, how does that happen? Well, it happens by the power of the Holy Spirit. But listen, I, I, think, I think God's method of that is I'm in the Word of God and I'm reading. God's saying, here's what I have for you. Here's what I want for you. Here's what is best. Here's what you ought to love. Here's what I love. And as I take those things, okay, how, 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 do I, how do I embrace that to where it's changing my heart? I take them, I believe those things. I believe what God is telling me. And I offer them back to him in prayer relentlessly. And what happens? My heart begins to change. You, you know what? I begin to talk biblically. Have you ever, you ever seen that happen in somebody? They begin to talk like the Bible. They begin to say phrases that are in the Bible. They begin to pray that way. It's a great delight for me to hear people begin to pray the Bible. You know, I love that. that when, they, when they're praying, they're, they're saying these phrases right out of the Bible. And I'm like, yes, God's beginning to shape the way they think. And their heart's shaped and their mind's shaped through the word of God. We are out of time. That was point one. Okay, uh, real quick. Verse three is intensity. Uh, then I turn my face to the Lord, my God, seeking him in prayer. Please the mercy with fasting, slack off ashes. A lot of stuff we said last week just about the intensity of Daniel's prayer. I mean, he is coming seeking God's face. He's coming as a persistent pleader. Okay, think in the Bible, the persistent widow. All the New Testament teachings on prayer, almost all of them have to do with persistence. Okay, they have to do with this widow who comes relentlessly to the judge, right? They have to do with this neighbor who comes relentlessly to, to knocking on the door. Hey, I got gas. I got gas. I need some food, you know. The guy won't get out of bed. He's like, you just keep knocking. He'll get out of bed, you know. And, and the Bible's teaching us to pray with persistence. Jacob wrestling with the angel. Okay, we see that here in Daniel. Man, this guy is intense. He, he, he's got sackcloth and ashes. He wants what God has for them. And then here's the big section that we probably don't have time for but we're gonna we're gonna try to squeeze a little bit in here verse four almost through the rest of the chapter or the not the chapter but the passage at least down to like verse 15 has to do with confession of sin 12 verses confessing sin 12 verses now now let me let me isn't that a bit much folks what, what, what do you think and, and notice he's not only confessing his own sin he's confessing the sin of his nation of the kings, of the people. We. He keeps saying we. Why? Why? I mean, if anybody has a right to say, hey, I'm, I'm pretty righteous in this deal, it's Daniel. Exile when he's 14, 15 years old, stands for God from the beginning and from what we see in the scriptures consistently. His life is threatened, won't budge. Why is Daniel confessing Corporately, Well, a couple of reasons here. Let me just give you some from the scriptures. Number one, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Okay? For all have sinned and fall short of the, That includes Daniel. Number two, the closer you are to God, the more you see your sin. Okay? You ever, you ever wonder why Paul, you know, toward the end of his ministry in 2 Timothy, calls himself the chief of sinners? The chief? I mean, really, Paul? Worse than Herod? 
Worse than Nero, that crazed maniac on the, on the Rome, Roman throne. I mean, really? Worse than that guy? Paul sees his own sin because the closer you get to God, the more you see, man, my motives are broke. Man, my thoughts are broke. Man. You know, if you're not in the regular habit of confessing your sin, there's one of two possibilities. You're Jesus. Let's just scratch that one. Okay. Number two, you, you don't see your sin because it's there. And the closer we get to Jesus, the more we see it. Number three, why is Daniel confessing publicly? The only means by which we look good is by comparison. Okay. I mean, the, I mean, really, the, the, only, the only way Daniel looks good is when you compare him to me. Okay, but when you compare him to Jesus, he doesn't. So the whole, I mean, it's just a broke model to think, well, I'm better than. No, no. And then finally, number four, it's appropriate to confess sins corporately. Remember how Jesus taught us to pray in the Lord's Prayer? Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Do you remember the end of it? Forgive us our debts as we forgive those we, us, are. I think that we ought to be broken over our own sins and the sins of our brothers. How do you feel when your your brothers and sisters fall? Man, I hope it breaks your heart. Oh, man, forgive us, God, if there's even a little bit of satisfaction in. Hmm, I didn't think he was that righteous. Man, if there's even a little bit of glee in you, man, you ought to fall to your face. Say, God, forgive me. Other people's sin ought to break our heart just like our own sin. Why? Because all sin is offensive against God. Man, I would lament. I would be sorry for the sin of my friend or my children or my spouse. We should, be this, we should feel the same way about our church. Something wrong with us if we're not bothered by the sins of others. So Dan- Daniel's bothered by the sins of others. Uh, he's bothered that they've broken the covenant. That's the way he describes it. Okay. But let me, let me skip down to this. Okay. Daniel uses five different words for sin. Just, just right there in a row. Now, the, there's 12 verses above his confession. But notice in verse, verse 5. We have sinned and done wrong and acted wickedly and rebelled and turned aside. You know, and if you go into the next verse, verse 6, we've not listened. There's six. There's six. Isn't that excessive, Daniel? I don't think so. I, I think Daniel, Daniel realizes that for brokenness to be restored, there's got to be confession of sin. I, I shouldn't rush through that. We'll just we'll skip the end, okay? But l- listen to this: if you've got a broken relationship in your in your family, marriage, friendship, coworker, God, man, the only way back is is confession of sin. I mean, that thing can't that brokenness always happens because of sin. And restoration never happens until there's an embracing that, man, I got to deal with my sin. We got to deal with this sin. We got to confess it. The word confess in, in the Greek, in the New Testament, not in the Old Testament, in, in the New Testament is, is homologeo. It's to say the same thing, to agree with God. Man, Daniel fully embraces their sin. Oftentimes, I think we're, we're tempted to downplay our sin. I, I think we do that by offering generic confession. You ever do that? Just a generic, 
I'm not really concerned about it, God, but if there happens to be any sin in my life, you know, God, just take care of that, please. Uh, man, not Daniel. I mean, he, 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 he fully embraces they have sinned. It's their fault they're there. It, it's their consequences of their sin that have brought this brokenness. He owns that completely. If, if I steal your wallet, which is, which is more healthy for restoration? Okay, here, I'll give you two choices. Number one, oh, you know, I saw it on the table there and I just picked it up and I, I had it in my coat, but I was just walking around with it. Okay, or, man, I blatantly stole your wallet. I'm a thief. I robbed you. I coveted your money. And when you weren't looking, I took it for myself. I, I'm a criminal. Okay, which is better? I think the second one is better, doesn't it? Because I'm not, I'm, not I'm not trying to hide things. I'm not trying to justify things. I, I, I've got it all out on the table there. I mean, I, I've fully embraced. Listen, I've, I've, I've wronged you in this. Folks, when we try to justify our sin, that's not helpful in reconciliation. When we try to downplay it, when we, that's not helpful. We need to embrace we have sinned. And our sin has caused a ruined witness. Notice verse 16. O Lord, according to all your righteous acts, let your anger and your wrath turn away from your city, Jerusalem, your holy hill, because for your sin, for our sins and for our iniquities of our fathers, Jerusalem and your people have become a byword among all who are around us. God, my sin has, has caused shame to your name. You're not getting the glory that you deserve because of my sin. People don't think of you as they ought to because of my sin. Verse 17, Daniel begins to pray for more of God. God, what we need is you. What we need is you. And then there, there's, there's the motive. I'm going to finish with this. Notice, um, let me start reading in verse 18. Oh my God, incline your ear and hear. Open your eyes and see our desolations at the city that is called by your name, for we do not present our pleas before you because of our righteousness, but because of your great mercy. O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. Pay attention and act. Do not delay not for your own sake, O my God, because your city and your people are called by your name. Notice that for your own sake. It is clear that Daniel prays for God's glory. You know what he wants more than anything? He wants God to be glorified. Man, I, I think, church, if we, could, if we could just get that. You know, if, if the motive of our hearts for everything we do would not be my glory, attention on me, I get what I want, I'm more comfortable. But if, if we could just grab onto an embrace that, that, man, what I really want is God to be glorified. And, 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 and when God is glorified, knowing, knowing this... Things will be right with me. Do you believe that, church? You know, if God is exalted, if God is lifted up, then I, 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 I'm beginning to be fixed. Jerusalem is fixed. Israel is fixed in, in this context. But for us, when God is glorified, then, then my marriage begins to be fixed and my, my relationships begin to be fixed. And so what I really want is, is for this to happen for your name's sake. Man, I think if we can ever grab onto that as just a reality in our life, that what, what I really need more than anything I think I need 
is I need for God to be glorified in me. And when he is, man, awesome things will happen. Let's pray that way. Father, we, uh, we ask you, God, to, to bring glory to your name at Lincoln Avenue Baptist Church. Father, we pray that for your sake, God, that, that you would restore families, that you would restore souls, God, that you would restore people, that you would restore relationships. God, that, that which is broken in our church, in our lives, in, in our own spirit, God, that you, God, that you would fix that. God, we, we have sinned. We've caused it, Lord. It's not because of you. It's because of us. And, Lord, we, we fully own that. And we pray, Lord, for your restoration. And we pray that you would do it for the glory of your name. We pray that, that we would be a shining light to our community, to our family, God, to our, our coworkers. God, I pray that our sin would not, would not damage your reputation, but that we would bring you glory. And, Father, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.